Hello, welcome to The Slow Reader, a podcast about books. My name is Steve, and I have three things to talk to you about today. The main review is for Red Team Blues. This is a novel recently released by Cory Doctorow. But I also read We Had a Little Real Estate Problem by Cliff Nesteroff, and currently reading Asimov's Mysteries, and as you might guess, all the stories by Isaac Asimov. Um... I'm going to start with that one first. So I, as I mentioned, this one is in progress. Um, it's a collection of short stories. Uh, the, the theme is loosely mysteries. And I say that because some of the stories uh, aren't exactly mysteries, uh, according to Asimov himself. He's just included them because they sort of fit the theme. Anyways, it's a group of stories uh, written between 1955 and 1967, although he does include in the book his first published short story from 1939. Um, the reason he did that is because uh, he wrote a, t- a follow-up 20 years later, and uh, so that story's in the book as well. But that story that he wrote, um, it's called Marooned Off Vesta, and he wrote that one, like I said, in 1939. And that is what is depicted on the cover of this story, uh, of this book, of this collection. Uh, on the cover, I mean, you've got the the text Asimov's Mysteries with his name on the on the front. It says supercharged science fiction by the most outstanding writer in the field. Uh, but um, on the cover, it's got uh, some some sort of uh, a man in a spacesuit, and he's on top of a spacecraft. He's got like some sort of grappling thing uh, holding him on to the spacecraft and he's pointing what looks like a laser onto the hull and what that actually is uh, from the story is uh, it's a heat gun Um, and what he's doing to the hull is trying to burst the uh, um, burst the hull uh, where the water tank is so that he can use the pressure from the escaping water to push their ship onto uh, the nearby planet or moon vesta uh and the because uh, they their ship apparently hit an asteroid um so uh so basically though this this is a group of stories that feature some recurring characters uh there's dr wendell earth um and not very creatively named because this is a doctor who specializes in space but he refuses to leave earth and take any transportation. So yeah, Earth, emphasize that, but it's spelled U-R-T-H. And then there's also an H. Seton Davenport from the Terrestrial Bureau of Investigation that joins in and usually is the one that brings in Dr. Earth to to solve the mysteries. But the stories generally read like Sherlock Holmes mysteries with Dr. Earth listening or observing and uh, and then he ends up pointing out the only possible explanation based on the information that he takes in. Um, each story in the book has some sort of forward introducing the story or giving context. And um, uh, as I've gone on and read through the stories, and I'm only as far as the story called Obituary, I've yet to read that one. Um, but in all of the forewords, it gets progressively apparent that Asimov is really very confident about his writing skills and uh, and he shows no uh, no humility at all. Um, and the best example of this would be the foreword to the story, I'm in Marsport without Hilda. 
Um, I won't read the whole thing, but so he, he calls it a James Bond type of story written before he had ever heard of James Bond. Um, so he, he mentions how, um, so this is his words. I never introduced naughty motifs into my stories. Um, so what he says, goes on to say is that an editor, uh, suspected that he never wrote them because he wasn't able of writing them. So, uh, what Asimov did is he said, uh, well, I decided to, to write a story that includes these things. And so he did. Um, so what he ended up writing was this, uh, I'm in Marsport without Hilda. Um, but what he said at the end of the foreword is anyways, it shows I can do it if I want to. It's just that I don't want to ordinarily. Um, I have to say that that story, uh, I'm in Marsport without Hilda, not a great story. So yes, he did kind of write some, uh, uh, um, I guess in his words, naughty motifs, but it's not a very good story. Um, overall though, they're fine stories. They're not great. They have kind of weaned me off of, uh, of Asimov. I'm going to, I'm going to finish reading these short stories, but I think I'm done with Asimov for a while and I definitely need a sci-fi break. Uh, so far, my favorite story is, it's, it's barely a page, but it's called A Loint of Paw, and it hinges on a bit of wordplay at the end. So what the story is about, just really quickly, is that uh, this character, Stein, he's stolen like $100,000 or something like that, and he has a time time machine, and he's decided to uh, to use the time machine to skip to... I don't know, seven years in the future or something, seven years and a day, which is, which happens to be past the statute of limitations for, uh, bringing him to trial and arresting him. Um, so he's, he's arrested anyways. And that, you know, they argue that he didn't actually live those seven years and experience the, the, the dread or the fear of being apprehended. So they're saying that, you know, he really shouldn't be let off the hook. He should be charged and uh, and convicted. But uh, the the judge returns and makes a ruling. Um, so he he says a niche in time saves Stein, and that's the the word play. I think though Asimov probably pronounces it niche, so that it's uh, uh, a stitch in time saves nine. I don't know what actually that that phrase is, but. Um, yeah, that was my favorite one because it was just such a simple story and uh, and had a funny resolution to it. Um, so yeah, uh, it it's okay. Not my favorite. I'm not going to keep it on my shelf after I finish reading it. That's for sure. So the next story I or the next book that I read was we had a little real estate problem. This is by Cliff Nesteroff. Um, I gave this one four to five stars. My brother Matt recommended this book to me. Uh, it's just around the time I was telling him I, I was going to see Don Bernstick. Um, uh, he's a comedian, an indigenous comedian. And uh, Matt, I, I don't know how he knew of this book, but it's basically a, a book about modern indigenous comedians um, and how they've you know risen to prominence and and I, I enjoyed how Nesterov weaved the modern comic stories with the history of indigenous comedy. Um, and, and on that note, it's kind of interesting to hear a slightly different side of the known uh, events of history, like everything that's come to light with all the atrocities. And by that, I mean, 
it's just the stories that you don't hear about, like of the comedians themselves and not, not as in like, you know, the, the other side's explanation to all this. But um, I, I was a little bit disappointed in, there was content about Don Burnstick, um, but the info really seemed kind of one-sided and doesn't mesh with, uh, with what I know of Don Burnstick. Like I met him when uh, afterwards, when we went to see his show and he seemed like a really nice person. And I, I just think that the, the book would have, would have been better if, if we had heard a little bit more about Don Burnstick, but uh, it, I don't think that Nesterov w- was trying to, to paint him in a bad light or anything. He just was going off the information that he received. Like it's possible he just didn't get a chance to talk to Burnstick. I don't know, but I, I do. That is one part of the book that I wish uh, uh, there was a little bit more on because it almost felt like he just shouldn't have included him at all because there there was so much information on all the other comedians throughout the book. Uh, it, it just seemed like, you know, he wanted to highlight that uh, some of the comedians didn't like him. But um, overall, though, like, neat book. Um, I, I found out about a few podcasts and videos. Like, I highlighted the notes as I went along. Um, there was a, a comedy group called the 1491s. And coincidentally, uh, in a in a recent course about uh, indigenous uh, um, or reconciliation and indigenous, uh, I, I'm just I can't just figure out what it's uh, it's a learning series that our our employers uh, have introduced. They had a little cartoon written by uh, t- written and produced by two of the members of the 1491. So it's it's one of those things where like you see the name once and then you start seeing it all over the place. Sort of like how uh, we rented a Subaru Crosstrek, and now that's all we see on the roads is uh, a Subaru Crosstrek. So it's it's that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I think I mentioned it. I gave it four out of five stars. Um, it's, it's a good read. I recommend it. So now the uh, the the main review is Red Team Blues by Corey Doctorow. This one I also rated four out of five stars. I finished it rather quickly. Um, I, I don't have uh, uh, an exact number of uh, of days that it took me to read, but I think probably it took me a, a week and a half, something like that. Um, so here, here's a bit of the description. Um, I, I took part of this from uh, the official back cover stuff, and I kind of like merged it together because I found that it, the description wasn't a very good one. Uh, and I, again, I think that's a the publisher doing that, not the author. So uh, here we go. Martin Hench is a self-employed forensic accountant, a veteran of the long guerrilla war between people who want to hide money and people who want to find it. Now he's been roped into a job that's more dangerous than anything he's ever agreed to before, and it will take every ounce of his skill to take, to get out alive. Um, from that, the basic plot summary is that, uh, Martin is hired by an old friend. Um, so Martin's about ready to retire. So it should start there. So he's hired by an old friend to retrieve some cryptocurrency keys that could give someone backdoor access. Um, basically it, someone with ill intentions could mess with, uh, with some cryptocurrency, um, in the process, he becomes the subject of interest to some ruthless crime families and has to go into hiding or risk death. Um, 
So yeah, this was uh, described by Dr. O as a Silicon Valley noir. Uh, it's essentially a, an education about cryptocurrency at the beginning of the book. I mean, that's just the setup to get the action rolling. But overall, it's like a one last job detective novel where, um, like I said, Martin is ready to retire at the beginning of this book, but he's hired to do one last job and he thinks it's going to be something super easy. And of course, it never is. Um, I thought it was a well-told story. The descriptions were, were vivid. I mean, you got incredible details of the surroundings of the characters. Um, the characters themselves were very well-defined. And everything right down to the food was described in vivid detail. So don't read this when you're hungry. You might uh, you might eat a little extra or... Get to, or maybe you might get inspired to try some uh, some some of the foods mentioned in the book. Um, I followed along with the audiobook, which was narrated by Will Wheaton, and uh, I, I think I missed a few details while reading or while following along because um, there were a few times where I was multitasking a little bit. I tried to keep it something that I could pay attention to, but this was really my first. Not my first experience with an audiobook, but definitely my first in a long time. Um, so I, I think I would probably reread this, uh, but as the ebook instead of the audiobook, because I would like to get a better understanding of how the cryptocurrency stuff worked. But that said, the crypto stuff is basically the MacGuffin of the book. It becomes mostly background matter to Marty's investigating and eventually when he goes on the run. So I think if you don't quite grasp the cryptocurrency side of things i think it's okay because the actual story of of marty doing the investigating and then going on the run and then the the third act of the story where he he goes on the attack to try and and fix his situation um so he doesn't get killed um that story is is the interesting part um it, so I, I think it's well done and uh and yeah Silicon Valley Noir is a term that I hadn't heard before because I had tried to describe this as digital noir, but in the process of asking around to see if that was an actual term, that's how I found out that uh, it Silicon Valley Noir is, is the best way to describe it. But I am looking forward to the sequels. Uh, Red Team Blues, though, it ends at the end of Martin's journey, so he's retired, he's comfortable. Um, so it's like, when you think about it, like, where can a sequel go? Because uh, it's not going to build on a 67-year-old retired forensic accountant. So that's what's interesting about what these sequels are going to do. They're already written. Um, they're going to be coming out, I guess, next year and the year after. But they go back in time in Martin Hench's career. So the next novel, I believe, is going to be at the height of his career, uh, like in his prime and then the third novel is going to be at the beginning of of his career in the 80s. So that seems kind of neat to me. It's not something that usually happens um, with uh, with novels and sequels. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it, and I'll definitely read them. And I think I would reread the ebook before doing that. But I don't think I'm going to do that this year um, because I have all sorts of other books on the shelf to read. And like I said, I'm taking a sci-fi break after this. I'm not sure what I'm going to read, but I know that I have some uh, regular stories, whether they're nonfiction or just not science fiction. So I'm going to pick something that will uh, cleanse the palate a little bit, because I, I think I need to get away from sci-fi for sure, 
But interestingly enough, I think pretty much most of my books that I've read this year have been involved in some sort of mystery or mystery novel, which is kind of cool because that didn't come about exactly that way. Like that wasn't my intention, but that's just the way it worked out. But uh, I would like to shake it up a little bit. So we'll see what happens uh, next time. I make a I make a recording probably in a few months. It'll be a little bit. I would like to get uh, a few more books read by before I record again. So thank you for listening, and uh, you can reach out to me um, on Twitter, on Mastodon, on Goodreads. All those links will be in the show notes. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.